Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Eric Malpas. So, a very good day. Welcome everybody. It is the 10th of August. The year is flying by. Today on the Costa Blanca, up this end near Denia, we are grey. Uh, we've got cloud. Uh, we've got... Uh, it's totally grey. Um, I can't even see any blue sky anywhere. Uh, it's been muggy the last couple of days. We did have a bit of rain on Sunday and then uh, we had less of the rain, but it's overcast. Let's find out if it's uh, any better for Eric. So Eric, good morning to you and how's your weather? Well, good morning, Vince. Yeah, the weather is similar to yourself. Uh, cloudy, overcast, and uh, really dull overall and poorly enough there's no breeze today now that we get a nice breeze down on here but we're uh, no breeze at the moment yeah well one thing that uh, i've noticed about when we've been living up here is that every single day around about four o'clock the wind picks up and it does really uh, it, it it howls uh, really does get you going a bit and um, there's uh, a number of windsurfing places on the coast which obviously relate to that fact because prior to actually coming here i did I had no idea of this um is it something that you've known about eric or is it something that um you know i'm telling you that you didn't know about well, to be fair, I didn't really know about it. I've been up at your end a few times doing some work for uh, Britannia Foods, but uh, yeah, um, I mean, you know, we still get a nice breeze down here in Albania, where you get quite a few you know, the going past, like, you know, I'm saying all that, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't know about your place, though, but yeah along this coast it's a lovely coast anyway isn't it it, it is i mean you, you know it's just uh, it's different and of course uh whereas benedorm probably dominates the bit where you are um here denia does the same and they get the big boats come into the harbor uh there really are big big ones um people like rafa nadal He's only living over in the islands, so of course for him to come across to here is uh, really a hop, skip and jump. Um, and talking of hop, skips and uh, jumps, uh, we've just had the Olympic Games. Um, uh, did you enjoy them? I've well, saw bits and pieces. I, I don't know about you. It's a bit like football last couple of years. There are no crowds there. It's just not the same. And, and all this epidemic, people going down with it, some people pulling out and... It's a bit, it seems to be a bit of a, a mixture, good stuff and some uh, bad news stuff, you know. Yeah. I watch bits and pieces, not all of it, because uh, di different sports you like to watch, other ones, uh, you, you can let them go, I mean, no disrespect, I know cycling's a great sport, but to watch it, it's not my cup of tea, you know, <laughs> when you're going down. Yeah. Um, well, we, we, we can talk about the football because obviously, um, you know, there is a football tournament. We established the fact that uh, the, the uh, Great Britain team didn't take part in uh, the final stages. Um, but it uh, ended up with um, Brazil against Spain. Two uh, very attractive um, footballing nations. Um, you know, they they did, did play some nice football during the tournament, and I wondered, did you catch any of the uh, any of the soccer at all? Did you enjoy any of the football games? 
Because I saw the girls more than the men this time. You know, I was following the girls because they were doing quite well. I know they lost that game there. I'll never know. I think it was 4-3 in the end. And uh, up to then, I'd watched it up to half time. Up to full time, I think it was 2 all. And then I had to go out. And when I bumped into me, I said, no, did you want me to go? And he went, we got beat. Poor <laughs> kid. I don't believe it, you know. But, uh, you know, did... I mean, the, the Helen White, the girl up front, she, I think she was a leading goal scorer for the girls and seems to be quite a useful player. But like you say, I think the girls' football starts in about two more weeks, you know. Yeah. And, uh, for, for some reason, I seem to have picked up on it. I don't know why, because I'm not a big uh, thing, you know, watching foot, women's football, but that's been quite good I must admit mm. well as you know for many years I, I uh, have tried my best to get people interested in the ladies game um, mainly because you know down at the college when I was teaching in Cornwall um, I was treated like a, a bit of a heretic teaching the ladies how to play football or, or even getting them encouraging them to play football and rugby um, and uh, you know the girls play some lovely football at time uh, I know of course it's not the Premier League standard but then again you don't expect that so it's like now and again if I'm in the mood and uh, there's kids playing football I like to stand and watch and uh, it's the same when the TV's on and it comes on to maybe the Real Madrid uh, channel and you see the girls playing um, uh, I think uh, they were having a game last Sunday and again uh, you can see the same sort of coaching that's coming through uh, in the girls game um, okay the speed's going to be different and uh, the challenging not quite the same but um, they don't seem to play act and they certainly don't seem to uh, foul in the same um, should we say nasty-minded, nasty-spirited way that the men's game went has gone? Um, okay. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. All right. Well, look, um, I'm going to start this one. There's not an awful lot really that uh, is bubbling, but I've got to address this one because it's one of these things where um, the whole world was waiting with bated breath as Lionel Messi uh, said his tearful goodbyes to uh, Barcelona. Now, uh, this has been bubbling for a long time. And of course, um, lurking behind anything is the fact that um, there's big money involved. So no matter how many tears um, Lionel Messi and his um, team of advisors and um, well-wishers care to uh, shed, um, you know, it's all about the money in many, many respects. Maybe not as they expected it to be, but going back um, many years ago when we've uh, been doing the programmes on the radio together, um, you know, I did think at the times that I was making me comments that something cataclysmic will be something that will change maybe parts of this idiocy that's going on. Um, I mean, Messi was apparently bringing the wages bill uh, 115% of what they earned. So, I mean, it's obvious you can't go on like that, even without him. They're only down to about 95%. I mean, it's just lunacy to be paying uh, more to the employees than you actually get in. So football is going to be the loser, no matter which way they look at it. Okay, that's my take on Lionel Messi. Um, he's not going to be that much out of pocket again. I would imagine Paris Saint-Germain are going to pay him a lot of money. And um, I don't really shed any tears for him. Uh, although I've got to say, he has been a great... Um, 
player for um, uh, uh, Barcelona when they say servant and this comes up as a, uh, just a figure of speech he's been a great servant to the club uh, servants don't get paid fortunes servants are people who basically run around uh, doing things for other people and very often not getting much in the way of remuneration footballers for my mind keep the word servant away and certainly Messi and his money and Barcelona doesn't make him a servant for me right I've said enough what did what did you make of all that well first of all you got to remember he's a really great ambassador for Spanish football even though he isn't Spanish obviously but he plays in Spain and uh, I think he's conducts himself well I mean we often talk about players who are diving all over the place and players you couldn't say anything like that about Messi, could you? No. So me, he's the perfect, you know, a perfect footballer from the point of playing the game as it should be played. The only other thing which annoys me about all this, it's not that long ago Man City were dragged over the poles who were spending too much money. Now, why have Real Madrid and the Barcelona been allowed to get themselves into this nest whereby they've been paying more money than they've been getting coming in? You know, because this fair play what they tell us about. You know why? Because these are like the poster boys of Champions League football, Barcelona and Real Madrid. And that's why they've never been pulled in over it. And in my opinion, I think uh, it, it, it just shows you what goes on, doesn't it? I mean, we all know Real Madrid, really, that the government, uh, they sold the, the ground to the government and the government sold it back to them for nothing. You know, for them to survive, you know, the training ground and all that. Yeah. There's all these little sports that have been pulled in the past. But, uh, you know, how can you get into such a mess? Here? I don't know. I, mean, no. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I know certainly. Eric, you, you, you. Going back to what you've always said. Uh, you, you've just gone a little bit quieter again. I don't know what you did, but um, you, right. you changed it last time and it was a lot better. <laughs> well, are you alright now? Yeah, we'll manage. It's just basically you were louder when we started and it's gone a bit quieter again. Okay, it must be overeating the phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I'm getting better. Anyway, uh, that's what I thought. I mean, just a joke. And this is a perfect example of what you've said a long time ago that people are paying money that they haven't got and it'll catch up with them. Now, in the case of Barcelona and Real Madrid, the pair of them, they were banking on that six. 16 breakaway to start the other league where you get all this money from an American sponsor who was going to sponsor the league and uh, they were relying on that to cover this debt but because it broke down the, the famous six you know they now it left the lurch and I think that's going to be a big, uh, a big slip over it all mm. that's my opinion on it anyway I think you're right uh, in the respect of um, follow the money, which uh, Terry Whitehead always used to uh, use the phrase, but I don't think he always applied it to football like uh, we're talking about now. Um, and I do think that uh, even though it will sound maybe not as clever as other people might think, I do believe that Chinese money is probably behind a lot of this uh, because um, you know you, you don't suddenly get all the Chinese um, adver advertising coming on our TV screens and the Arab um, advertising so I think uh, Chinese and Arab money are in the mix uh, why do I say this well 
America might be good at business, and uh, having said that, uh, don't forget uh, the Wall Street crash actually started in America. So maybe, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not always that you're the cleverest. But um, I do think that because soccer is not as big in the United States of America, I think they would always have problems um, getting everybody involved in the money that we're talking about and I think this also shows you the danger and the distasteful nature of global economy because we've got to a stage now where you know if you're beginning to um, just get on your feet you only need uh, the coffee crop in Brazil to go down the pan or something to happen in South America or South Africa or uh, China or anywhere and everybody's economy starts suffering now uh, it does seem rather strange for me to even still believe that communism is part of this. Um, the problem really is, is that um, communism, it, it appears now to be a mix of capitalism, when you look at China in particular, it's appears to be a mixture of capitalism and the control that they want in communism. And I think even as I'm speaking, I'm realising that, you know, everything that we're talking about is about control. The whole blooming pandemonium, the pandemic, everything is all about control. And when we look at what we're seeing as football entertainment on our screen, it doesn't make sense. You can't have 60,000 at Wembley for the Euro final, 40,000 at Twickenham um, for the, uh, sorry, for Wimbledon, for the Wimbledon uh, finals. And then you can't even have half a dozen uh, people and a dog down at the local sports day, um, you know, because of the rules. Something is not right. And I think too many people, and especially here in Spain, too many people are still walking round and they've been absolutely brainwashed. You see people, we're told now that you don't have to wear a mask in the street. You know, I w was up in the village yesterday and uh, everybody's got masks on. You've got a fellow going past me, with, a, with a, he's on his own on a bike with a mask on. So they're being told something still that I'm not being aware of or I don't believe. And I don't like it because I don't like to feel like um, I'm doing anything that's wrong. I don't like to do that. I, I'm, I'm quite a, um, a, a traditionalist in that sort of thing. I don't want to upset people. But um, I, I know by my own common sense, plus reading from top epidemiologists and people like this, that wearing a mask will ultimately stop you from developing your own autoimmunity so that you you know if you go around with a mask long enough you're not going to be able to fight the germs that will come naturally to you eric am i making any sense well yeah, yeah I, 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 my philosophy has always been your body can look at it's of you or that's what it's there for and people are using that epidemic to as you just said cover up and control people and unfortunately People are very easily controlled nowadays, mainly because television and what you're told on there. You switch the news on one day and it's all about this, and then the next day it's something else, and then the backwards and forwards with the ideas. Half of them are what they're doing anyway, so they still keep you controlled by those people. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, taking its toll in the long term, but 
somebody, somehow, it's going to be found out what's going on with all this stuff. And uh, the sooner the better, because uh, at the moment we're all playing at it, you know. Yeah. The governments know what they're doing. Well, it's funny because uh, we were all told last year that there was um, no flu and that um, it's finished and it's all coronavirus, etc. I noticed an advert going through. I know Facebook is a pain in the backside at times, but now and again you do see something and without them knowing that you've seen it, what it was, was an advert for the NHS in the UK and underneath the main part which was all covid of course don't forget to get your um flu jab don't forget you can pass the flu on to other people and you know um let's be honest about it you'd have to be a bit silly not to realize that you can give somebody the germs um just uh, if you go around uh, spreading what you know is in your body i mean if you don't see the the need for a mask at that point there's never going to be any hope for anybody but I, I still think that if the masks were so good the people that worry about the masks they shouldn't be worried about it at all they've got the mask on so if their belief is that um, the mask solves all their problems then why would they worry about other people not wearing a mask if they've got their mask on don't understand that one Eric okay um, now, Eric, I've got to probably have a bigger disagreement with you on this one. <laughs> um, Grealish, of course, has gone to Manchester City. Now, if you run the um, the fantasy football, as it would appear, football leagues, not just the Premier League, we're talked, we've been speaking about uh, La Liga, uh, France is the same, Italy the Bundesliga all these leagues are the same the top clubs get all the money and the best players so what is the point of all the other clubs being there I mean I'm even almost talking myself into this European Super League position which I would never want to have um, I, I don't really think it's healthy for the game look you've got a great player Grealish is going to be a, a great acquisition to any club he plays for. If you get Harry Kane as well, then uh, really, if you can't win the league at a uh, or the Premier League at a stroll, who's who's going to who's going to be your opposition? Uh, I don't think it's healthy. Now you will probably have another point of view, but I'm not going to put words into your mouth. What would you do? If the a fantasy football club of fantasy football league was exactly the same as that, where you had one team, one of your teams in your fantasy football had everything that nobody else seemed to be able to get their hands on, how would you handle it? Well, normally, what what would happen is that in, in the, our fantasy football league, uh, you have such things as injuries, and it's the same in, the, in all kinds of football. You only have to look at Liverpool. The other year, they, they walked away with the, the league. The following year, they got too bad injury back defensively. And, and, and they were just, in, you know, how can I put it? Liverpool just fell apart. So they didn't have somebody to play in the back four. They didn't have anybody to uh, take over from Van Dijk, uh, being a captain type. So that can happen at any stage in any season. And, and for that reason, it don't matter how much money you've got in the world, people can get injured 
and you, you've got to be able to replace them. But unfortunately, you can't because of the fact that certain players have certain abilities. And uh, it, when I look at football, it, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're the richest club in the world or the poorest club. It's only 11 players against the 11 players. And our attitudes are more important than facts. If your attitude is we're going to get beat because they're a man's better team than us, you're going to get beat. But if your attitude is that, well, these are top of the league, let's show them what we can do, let's get stuck into them. And, uh, and that's why football's such a great game, because it, it, you never know what's going to happen. And that, last year was a perfect example with Liverpool being lucky to scrape into top four and be in Europe. It's only because the other teams were bobbing, you know, <laughs> uh, but King Leicester dropped out of it. And it was, so therefore there's no definite thing that because you've got the money. And don't forget Liverpool also bought Sane and they bought Salah, all these players for me and ages ago before they became a good team. It was when Klopp was building up the side and it takes a little bit of time. No matter how much money you've got, it takes time for players to bed in and they become part of the team. And that's where the manager comes in by getting the team to play as a team, not playing as individuals. And that's why I think uh, football's a great game. And it don't matter, you know, don't matter if, if City do get out of here, you could be injured after two weeks. Hmm. You know, maybe it's just a, a gamble. Uh, okay, yeah. At the end of the day, it flows around the, all the different other clubs where it goes. Tottenham by, like, like Aston Villa, he bought three players now, just as I know of. Money's gone to Norwich for this Blue and Deer. You know, it's been spread out. Norwich has spent some money on a lower club. And the money itself spreads around the football. It's only when it goes abroad that we lose it. And obviously, when agents take their slice. Okay, Eric, I've got to compliment you on being a bloody good diplomat. Um, because I asked you a question and you've given me some great information but you haven't really given me the information I needed so I'm going to put this again because I do want to see whether or not there is an answer to this which is basically if you have one club in your fantasy football league and you know I'm talking about Manchester City as the comparison so um, you know I'm I'm not going to pretend I'm not Um, okay if they've got more resources and they've got more um, chances of building a, a, a bench which is going to be as superior to virtually every other team that's going to be anywhere in the league. Is there a way of making it a level playing field? Is there any way we can think that that could become a level playing field? Because at the moment it certainly can't be. Well, the answer to your question, what you said, which I will answer now, <laughs> uh, is the fact that everybody has 50 million to spend before the season starts. Yeah. Now, if you want to spend your money on forwards, which Harry uh, Kane is the most expensive, he costs 7 million in our fantasy football. Or if you want to go for somebody like Danny Ings, who's not as expensive, but could possibly match Harry Kane as regards to scoring goals on the season. You know, these are things... It, the rules don't allow you to build up a team because you've only got so much to spend, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. So that can't happen in a fantasy football. And if you want to pick a best defender, in this case, the uh, Armstrong Arnold, he's a top defender, you can pick him, but he costs a lot of money. You've only got 50, so you, you use half of your money to go in big players. And then at the end of the day, you've got to have players who don't cost anything and are not very good, not likely to play. 
So therefore, in a fantasy football league, which I run, it's impossible to build up a team. The only thing you can do is if you can pick a, a player from a, a lower a lower price. Like a few years ago, Pucky from Norwich, he started the season off really well and nobody really heard of him. And that, that is a trick to find a, what I call a gem somewhere down the line on, on the packing of money. Uh, who's going to get you a lot of points and nobody else will have picked him. I mean, everybody might pick Harry Kane for the obvious reasons. So everybody's got Harry Kane, so it don't, ch don't change anything if you understand what I mean. No matter how many points he scores, another would just say 100, play other 100 teams have got him in there and the team. You're all on the same boat with Harry Kane. But the idea and the trick is to get smaller players. I mean, in particular last year, like say Lingard, who went on, on to uh, West Ham, and he could have scored a bag full of points for the Fantasy League, but he was there, I think four people picked him. And that's where it all comes in, the skill of the Fantasy League, being able to pick players lower down the list. Okay. Everybody picks the top players. Eric, I can't disagree. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you've said. Uh, I'll go back to something that I've said in the past, which I don't think will ever happen, but if every single club had a hundred million pounds at the beginning of the season and uh, you know everybody had the chance to buy players of the top uh, ilk they, they won't so but I mean you can see my point that would make it fair at the moment before the season kicks off we do know that probably the winner of the championship the Premier League will come from Man City Man United Liverpool um, Chelsea Arsenal and maybe Leicester you know it's almost certain that uh, Tottenham may be thrown in as well um, you know that that's that's a given before the season starts and my point is for football it would be rather nice if we could try finding a way that would make it really really um, a com competition that everybody has the chance to win now even when we get to the likes of the uh, the, the FA Cup or the uh, well whatever it's called these days um, you know the Carabao Cup I, I think it was last year or whatever these other tournaments are called uh, I think they could help by making it um, certain regulations where you can only field um, you know players that haven't played for the Premier League side maybe in the FA Cup I mean you're never going to bring your players on your, your young um, homegrown talent uh, unless basically they get enough game time I mean even big stars don't get the game time at times Shakiri last last year in, in the Liverpool team um, okay probably some of it was down to injury and some of it was certainly down to not being picked uh, if you don't get your game time then obviously it affects the price that you can be bought or sold at um, you know the thing is it's too much like money at the moment it's, it's a bit like a cattle market at times isn't it well that's the way you treat players anyway so never feel so if a player's going to say oh the poor lads if, if he's actually probably all managers for that matter whereby they get X about money I mean I think Mourinho uh, walked away with 15 million yeah. and sacked at Tottenham I mean it's unbelievable right, isn't it? I mean we talk about players wages we get sacked and they pay you 15 million to sack you 
I mean, he, he, he's not in socks, I thought he got a job straight away in Italy, uh, and away you go to another setup. All he has to mm. do is make a mess of it and get sacked again. Yeah. I mean, that's manager wise. Player wise, I mean, they are like treated like cattle. And um, don't forget, the one thing about players, which a lot of people tend to forget, a player could be getting, next week, he could go out there and get a really serious injury and not play again. You know, the, the lad who threw Wolves last year, Jimenez, yeah. you know, that bad head injury. Yes. Yeah. You yeah. know, he's not playing and he's not sure he's going to play again this year. Although he has had a run out in a friendly. Yeah. But all of a sudden, their career can be finished with a snap of the wrist, you know. And that, that, as far as I'm concerned, is what you've got to look at. And that's why players take what they can while they can. And at the end of the day, I've said it so many times, it's the people who pay them the money who are to blame. But we can see. Look, look, Eric. I, I didn't. I didn't really ever disagree with you on that one. It was just a question of really, uh, the money has become ridiculous, and you know the argument that somebody uh, can maybe have a, a, a career-ending uh, uh, problem very, very quickly. That sort of thing. That happens to everybody in life. I mean, even if you've got to struggle through a job, and then you go to you. you judo club football club whatever you um, want to do you can pick up an injury that's going to you know affect the rest of your life so i don't disagree that they should be well paid i've never never disagreed with that but to pay anybody when an average wage is well if we can say round about 1500 well when somebody's monthly salary can be about that um, then I think that if you get a footballer earning about 5,000 that's enough of a differential I just think that the money is utterly utterly stupid I mean Messi um, they're not all saying the same thing but it's pretty obvious that he's almost bankrupt bankrupted the club single-handed um, or at least he certainly had a, a big part to play in the disruptive financial situation at the club and if you take ordinary finance that you and I and all our families and everybody else have had to um, put into place you know if you've got a hundred pound coming in and you've got two hundred pound going out then sooner or later you've got a problem I mean it's not rocket science but in football it almost seems like the rules don't apply Eric um, let me go to another player and get your your impression on Lukaku going to Chelsea I've seen all sorts of figures, around 98 million was one, um, I mean so we're talking in the same area as Grealish's amount of going to um, Manchester City. Is he worth it and um, what do you think of him moving to Chelsea? Well first of all we've all always agreed that half of the players are not worth what you got paid for them, that's a set piece that thing. Footballers are not worth what they're getting paid for to be transferred. Uh, but, uh, at the end of the day, when you go to Chelsea, it's one thing that stood out last year about Chelsea. They needed someone to score goals because they made the defence very tight early on when the new manager came in. Yeah. And the only thing they were lacking was Werner up front. They were just missing goal chance after goal chance. And in fact, the one they getting rid of now, Tommy Abraham, is the joint top scorer last year in front of the whole competition. And, uh, <laughs> and he's still getting the move on. So uh, I think they, they're trying to address the problem, just like Liverpool did with Van Dijk. You need a defender, you've got a defender in there. And this is what Chelsea need, a striker who's going to score plenty of goals. And uh, 
we're not part of you, that's why they're doing the right thing. Money-wise, I agree with you all along the way, it's just too much money for everybody, but where do you go? People are prepared to pay it. I mean, I think they started off with 80, 85 million, and they said, no, we're not setting. And they went up to 90 million. Now, they've come back for a third time, and offered 97 million. They got him now for 97 million, and, and maybe, just maybe, that's what Tottenham was holding on for with Harry Kane, for City to come back in with a bigger bid. And, uh, and get Harry Kane. Okay, so um, we've changed the line. Hopefully, it might be a bit better. And um, we're, we're talking about uh, Lukaku going to Chelsea. Um, is he the man to do the job for for them? Do you think, Eric? Well, obviously, his, his record of goal scoring not only last year in the Italian league. When he was in England, he was scoring goals for fun for United and for Everton. And previous to that, he played. West Brom and they played really well for West Brom many years ago. But the only team he never scored for was Chelsea. That's where he got rid of him, kind of thing. But yeah, I think he might. He's a, a different type of player now. Uh, he's probably going to be a, a catalyst for them to be able to challenge for the league. As you say, he probably only six to maybe in the running for it. We don't know till the season starts and see how injuries goes with different clubs. But I think he'll be a big help to Chelsea. Definitely a good signing. OK. Uh, now, we had the Community Shield over the weekend, uh, which is like the first game of the season. It used to be called the Charity Shield. Um, and you were playing Leicester. That's Manchester City playing Leicester. Um, Eric, give us the rundown of what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. And uh, sadly, I have to ask you to give us the results as well. Yeah, well, the result, as we know, we lost an 89-minute penalty to Leicester City. Man uh, City played a team of mainly all young, a, a lot of youngsters played for City. Leicester put the strongest team out possible because they wanted to make sure that they won the trophy. Nothing wrong with that because that's the same City could have put a stronger team out, but they didn't. They give these young lads a chance to play at Wembley. There's a young Cole Palmer, he's been doing well in the youth teams and all that. Also, the lad on the left wing, he's a good lad. You know, they, they give the lads a chance to play at Wembley where they might not get the chance again. So, from that point of view, I thought that did well. Leicester's uh, part of view, they got what they wanted. They won the cup, uh, well, they won the shield. So, good luck to them. The overall game wasn't particularly that good. Uh, we just played our normal game, but we never looked at who going to score a goal. You know, we, we was lacking just like Chelsea have been lacking, as I said before about Lukaku. We just need a centre forward to put the ball in net. Now Aguero's not there, we haven't got anybody who's going to be able to do it. Jesus is a good player, but he wasn't available because he'd been playing in the, for Brazil. And Jesus also is a good hard-working centre forward, but not what I call an actual goal scorer. And that's what you need. If you're going to win games, you've got to get natural goal scorers. And uh, overall, I mean, don't forget Vardy played as well for Leicester. And he's a natural born goal scorer, yeah. but he didn't get much of a look in. But he wasn't, he wasn't a particularly good game, in my opinion. But anyway, the, the best team won in the end, one nil. No complaints. Okay. Um, right, now, uh, one thing we might be doing a bit more of this year is looking at the championship. 
Um, on the other podcast I do with Rob Daniels, we found uh, a really nice a young Spanish lad, about 32, maybe a bit, bit older than that, um, and he used to live in your neck of the woods, actually, and uh, it'll be interesting to hear how he talks about some of the championship sides. So, looking quickly at what went on over the weekend and getting your comments, um, uh, the first game we're looking at is um, Blackburn against Swansea. That that was a 2-1 win for Blackburn. I mean, you know, you could be talking a champion, uh, not Champions League, um, a Premier League fixture, couldn't you? Because both have been in the Premier League not not that long ago. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, Swansea's just changed the manager again. You've got a new manager in uh, Blackburn. Uh, they've got all Lancashire club, a bit like Burnley, when you think about it. They'll always be looked upon like Burnley and uh, Lancashire, East Lancashire part of it. Uh, country and I think that uh, I, I can't see either team being in the running for the league being truthful OK um, Bristol City won Blackpool won and again um, the traditions of Blackpool you know immediately I'm drawn to the 1953 Cup final the Stanley Matthews final um, I mean you know the tangerine strip I think they've changed that mind you having said that um, but the traditions of Bloomfield Road and um, you, you know you do think that it would be nice to see some of those clubs coming back into the Premier League um, and certainly it would be nice to see Blackpool back back up there with the top wouldn't it well remember when last time was in the Premier League when, uh, Holloway was manager they did a really good job. They played good attacking football. Unfortunately, you couldn't sustain it to end of the season. But like most clubs, you come up, you give it a good goal, and then you kind of run out of steam and they finish up falling, falling back through the trap door. But Blackpool, promotion from the division below, by the way, it was a good performance that first game away from home. I thought they did quite well getting a draw at Bristol City. And mm. Bristol City was up and about near the top. Actually, they didn't make the playoffs, but it was up there in with a song and dance. So uh, I thought they did well, Blackpool. It was a good performance. Okay, and then we and go. Also, we have a, a lad. So I was going to say we have a lad at Blackpool who is his uh, his uh, dad used to kick the city to the sink there. He's just making his way. He's only about 18, and he's in the team, and he's spent that half. And he's a lad who can keep an eye on so good. In fact, they played in a friendly, and Guardiola said they've got a cracking young side there, they play good football, and for coming Guardiola, I think that's quite good, yeah. but they must be on the right track back, so fingers crossed for them. Okay, you're going faint on me again, Eric. If there's anything you can do your end, please do it. Um, as we go to Cardiff uh, 1, Barnsley 1. Um, Cardiff, of course, they're not that far away from uh, Premier League existence. Um, you know, again, um, the, the big two from uh, Wales. You, you know, it's like everything else. There always seems to be two big clubs in, an, in a, a country, even in a minor league. Does, does there not to you? Well, Barnsley lost a manager to West Brom uh, just recently, and they played some great football last year, Barnsley. I can't remember who they played in the FA Cup, I got a feeling it was Tottenham, and I thought they played them off the park, but they got beat by Tottenham. I think it was them, but definitely the Premier League side, and uh, Barnsley played good football. As you asked at Cardiff, their manager is uh, Mick McCarthy, who I like very much, Yeah. and uh, he's going to do some, he's got a lot of hard work to do down there, 
Oh, he's, he's a, what you call an ardent manager. He, he's, he's seen it all, been it all, you know, and he's not uh, Republic of Ireland. Yeah. He's, he's, he's been such a good manager over the years. And I've just got a feeling Cardiff might not be far away from getting promotion this year. Mm, okay, because it's nice to be able to talk about these teams and think about who might come up, and then at the end of the season we'll go back to this podcast and see who we thought. Um, Derby County against Huddersfield, 1-1. Derby, of course, with uh, Rooney at the helm, although he has been occupied in other ways over the last few weeks. Um, if he keeps his mind on his football, maybe Derby's a, a team to keep an eye on. No, Derby's in all kinds of trouble. They've got they've got problems with the with the football league as regards to uh, I don't know any its payments or what. What half of the team they only had officially about on Wednesday last week. They only had about nine players available for Saturday. Anyway, they managed to turn the team out. Now they didn't get a bad result getting a draw at home. Firstly, I thought they would probably might have got hammered, but uh, they all kinds of trouble for Derby. Don't be surprised if they go through the trap door this year. Ooh, okay, very interesting. Uh, Luton Town three, Peterborough nil. Um, again, you know, Luton. You immediately think of um, uh, Eric Morecambe loving that team. <laughs> you know, it was it was his big passion, wasn't it? Yeah, Luton Town. Yeah, it's funny because he got a statue of him at Moor. Beach there, don't you ever see it? Yeah. But there's a statue of Eric Morecambe on the beach. And uh, yeah, Luton Town, you saw that, have a bit of fun about Luton Town. They're an old fashioned club, Luton Town. I can remember when they was in the Premier League, well, not Premier League, they the first division in them days. And they used to play good football. The only trouble was their ground had a Vince Kenilworth Road. It is absolutely a mud hook, you know. When it's the same now, I'm not too sure, because most grounds are really well looked after. Uh, but it used to be a really very small ground, awkward place to play football. But Luton had a, I think Luton, I think they're going to finish up halfway in the table. I don't think they'll go down, I don't think they'll come up. So I haven't seen them to finish halfway. Peterborough, that's a prize old team, isn't it? Well, it's still there actually. And uh, they have wins, one week they win, next week they lose. And they're another team, what I call middle of the table team, Peterborough. Can't see them ever getting up. Okay, the next one's interesting, where we again think of Tom Finney at Deepdale. This is Preston North End. They were at home to Hull, and it was Preston 1, Hull 4. Hull that, not that far away from the Premier League existence. Do you see any signs of them coming back? Yeah, apparently they've got a good team, and they play good football now at uh, Hull. Uh, Preston, they're a bit like the other two teams I just mentioned play well one week and the rubbish the next but last year he was the same he couldn't win a game at home last year Preston so I, I, I've got feeling they're one of the teams who play better away from home but at home uh, they're not very good both City though they might be a team to keep an eye on because uh, they could be a surprise packet in the playoff situation towards the end of the season yeah okay uh, if we look at uh, a London derby next where Queen's Park Rangers drew 1-1 with Millwall Millwall traditionally seem to always be a problem fans whether that's still the case I'm not sure Queen's Park Rangers they seem to be a yo-yo team they seem to be very up and then very down I remember I think uh, Liverpool beat them about 9-2 in the Premier League one season I don't know if you remember those those days Eric 
very thin days, won't they, for you lads? Yes. Uh, when you think about it, this year QPR are expected to do really well. And uh, I suppose the draw at Millwall is never a bad result because uh, it's not an easy place to go to at Millwall away. And uh, just they're another team I'd say keep your eye on Queen's Park Rangers because they reckon they've got a good squad of players together now, slowly but surely. And uh, the manager's doing a good job there. I think it's Warburton, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And QPR, uh, good team to watch out for. Okay, uh, Stoke City, and um, they were at home to Reading. Stoke 3, Reading 2. Uh, memories of Stanley Matthews playing at the age of 50 for Stoke City in the um, first division as it was in, the, in those days. And of course, Peter Crouch going down to play for Stoke City and uh, doing quite a good job for them down there as well. So, um, any signs that you think Stoke could do well this year? I can't see him doing well. I think there'll be a, t a tough team to beat, like everybody says, playing at Stoke on a cold Wednesday night. Uh, uh, I think it's a difficult place to go. Uh, it's funny if they've just signed, uh, well, on loan from Man City, Liam Dillap, who happens to be the son of the lad who used to play for Stoke City. Uh, Dillap with the long throws, if you can ever remember. Oh, him. yes, I do remember and, that. Uh, that's what he used to do a lot when Tony Poole was uh, long throwing to the penalty area, knocked on and a goal at the end of it with a bit of luck. But uh, I can't see them making the, making it back into the Premier League. I think they're just a good hard-working team. And it's not, not got that little bit of class, I don't think, to be able to get in the Premier League. OK, and the last one from the uh, Championship. Uh, Sheffield United, who went down after a bit of a dismal season last year, many of their results I didn't think they deserved to lose, and it was an odd goal here and an odd goal there. Um, but they were at home to Birmingham City. Uh, Birmingham City, of course, from the fanzine, we had one of the most illustrious of guests ever coming into uh, our radio show <laughs> <laughs> telling us about uh, what the ladies can do and what they couldn't do um, but anyway in the footballing sense it was Sheffield United nil, Birmingham City won Yeah well they're another team who everybody's mentioning that could do well this year Birmingham uh, their manager is fairly new at the game and uh, I think they'll be a good side to watch oh. I mean, I never fancied the game Sheffield United and Birmingham. I always had a feeling it's going to be a dour game, you know, a tough game. And uh, it don't look as though things are going better for Sheffield United. And they're another one with a new manager, aren't they? Yeah. It's funny when they got rid of Wilder, it was a bit of a shock, that really, because he'd been there for years and years and looked after them. And yeah. now they got a new manager, probably trying a new style of football. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with them. Yeah. I don't think there's any more chance of them coming back up itself anyway. Well, OK, we, we move now to the Premier League, and uh, this is the time when we start trying to look at what is likely to happen. Um, it's really, really like, um, I don't know, uh, spitting against the wind, really, because you never know, you never know what's going to happen right at the start of the season. Um, we start then, I think it's the Friday night game, as uh, a London derby where Brentford host Arsenal. I've seen all sorts of rumours for Arsenal, 
national and what the spending is and you know who might do well for them and this sort of thing and I've heard a lot said of uh, Brentford who this uh, Spanish lad who basically um, you know knows as much about the champion uh, the, the the championship as probably most people do apparently um, he seemed to think that uh, they were one of his favorite teams so um, they come into the league uh, with a difficult one of the bigger teams to fight against uh, which is probably not a bad thing how do you see that one going yeah I must have I fancy Arsenal very strongly to win about 2-0 uh, reason being it's, it's a tough game for Brentford to have for the first game but Arsenal have been doing quite well in, in pre-season I've just got the feeling that they would be too strong for Brentford although like if that if that lad said that it, it, one of his favourite teams, trouble with Brentford over the years is sold all the best players. You know, uh, each year they get a good player and they sell him on. I think last year they sold the lad to West Ham, and the year before that they sold Watkins to Aston Villa. All these top players they've had, they, they always seem to sell them on. Well, it, it keeps the club survival, and it, if they can survive in the Premier League next year, it'll be a great performance. I can't see it myself, but it would be good if they can. Yeah, I, I've got to say that's the sort of area which uh, seems to me very unfair when you've got teams who basically have to sell the players all the time. I mean, Southampton sold quite a few players to Liverpool as another example. Um, you know, you just feel that um, they, they get the team right and then they have to sell the players on. So uh, I'll keep my eye on that one as we go next to uh, Manchester United. And uh, they're not going to have the easiest of times in their first fixture because it's a fixture which uh, has got history. Uh, Eric Cantona, of course, is somebody that springs to my mind very quickly. Manchester United take on Leeds United. Incidentally, I think like you, I think Arsenal will win that one about 3-0. Maybe we'll have a different outcome with this second fixture. What do you think? Yeah, well, uh, if you remember last year, United was about 4-0 up after about 20 minutes against uh, Leeds. But it never recovered. I think the finals go over 5-2 or 6-2, I'm not quite sure. Uh, so it's going to be a tough game for, for both sides, really, but... Maybe Leeds might have learnt a bit of sense after last year. You know, when he was going attacking teams right away, yeah. he might just change it. Change it a little bit, the manager, just to take it easy for the first 15 minutes. Don't go badly. <laughs> I think uh, like somebody got a trick in that. Year, yes, he did, didn't he? Like, well, 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah so uh, I don't think it would be that naive again to go all out at United. Although it isn't normally their trait, Leeds United. But... Mm. Uh, I think this is going to be a tough game and finish up for United. Okay, well I've put 2-1 for United, so we're on the, well I haven't said that, there are two Uniteds it's 2-1 to Manchester United uh, for me and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, midfield player who played so well f for England during the uh, Euros, it'll be interesting to see how he fares because obviously y y you know, you're playing a different ki kind of football again from the uh, European um, uh, team game to the uh, Premier League game as we go next to Burnley the weather certainly won't be bad so it's going to be quite a reasonable trip for Brighton who probably will be taking their buckets and spades and rubber rings up to Burnley and um, well <laughs> how will we get on with that one do you think yeah I fancy this to be a draw uh, I've said that last year most of the season all we were short of was somebody to score some goals and towards the end of the season Welbeck got fit for Brighton and 
we start to pick up a few goals and I think that it'll be a one-all draw myself this game we'll only be the usual selves very tough to beat always a, a tough look to crack and uh, I just got a feeling it's going to be one apiece this game OK I'm put, put, putting Burnley down for a 2-1 um, but uh, you know as I was saying before really it, it is definitely a very difficult time to even think about a score as yeah. we go to um, Chelsea then uh, we don't know whether they've got Lukaku yet uh, but they're hosting Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace and I'm sure Vieira's going to spring the odd surprise here and there I mean you know um, he certainly has developed as a manager and I like him as a man anyway he seems a very nice guy um, I like the the little series the cameo they did with uh, him and Roy Keane I don't know if you caught that Eric um, it was really really good you know the, the both of them you know were saying little things that obviously showed that they'd had quite an intense rivalry but great respect for each other so how do you see that one going Chelsea and Palace well Chelsea played tomorrow night against uh, Villarreal in that it, like what you call the Super Cup team in winter Europa plays a team who won the Champions League uh, so, I, I don't think there'll be much at stake tomorrow night. It'd be like a, a City game at weekend where it was a kind of a glorified friendly, even though it's Community Shield. I think that's. Uh, I think it's going to be difficult for Crystal Palace because, apart from the fact that they've got a load of new players in and, and a new manager, it's going to take a bit to battle down, a bit down. So, I've got to go for Chelsea to win about three 0 No, for wrong though. Okay, I, I've gone for a nil-nil. I don't know why. It, there's no reason for that. It's just basically uh, Chelsea should win if they get Lukaku and he is actually able to play, uh, which I don't think will happen. Um, I think that would be, without shadow of doubt, your three-nil. But I just feel I feel Vieira with such a classy um, pedigree as a defender. I think that there'll be something in that team that maybe we've not seen before. Um, OK, well, we go to Everton next with Rafa Benitez at the helm. Uh, he'll be off making, uh, hopefully, the, the best impression he can. The visitors are Southampton, and Southampton played well last year, although um, I think they played better. I think I'm right in saying they played better on the road than they did at home. So, what about this one, Eric? It's an intriguing game for me. Well, I think... Uh Southampton, one of the teams being tipped to go down this year, mainly because they've sold quite a few players. Uh, obviously, Danny Ings is one straight away. Uh, also, I think Bertrand's gone through another team. If, uh, I think they will struggle, Southampton. I fancy two run for Everton. OK, I've put down 3-0 to Everton, so um, I think Benitez will want a really good start, and I think he'll get it. Um, Leicester play Wolves. Now, uh, Wolves, of course, with a new manager. Leicester, obviously, Brendan Rodgers has got a nice settled team. Um, he's also got a bit of um, silverware in the cabinet, so they will be feeling a little bit uh, probably pleased with themselves. I think, on the other hand, Wolves, no matter who they have, um, will probably give them a good game. But it just depends on, on the way that the team's set up. Um, how do you see this one? Yeah, I'm a bit, a bit like yourself there. I, I think Wolves have got a new manager. They've got rid of a few players. and uh, 
it's going to be a, bit, a mixed jumbles of players for me and uh, Wolves, where there's less than a solid sound, apart from a shame that lad who broke his leg last week, uh, for Fana, it's a shame that he's, he's, he was a good, young, promising lad, that he's, he's going to be out for most of the season. But yeah, I still fancy Leicester. I don't think, well, Johnny Evans did play against City, and he's a key man for them at the back. He organises them. But I do fancy Leicester to win about 2 0. OK, I put down 2 0, strangely enough. Um, again, I don't really have enough uh, knowledge of the Wolves team to, to make an in depth um, <laughs> any comment, really. But I'll go for 2 0. Uh, Watford, we welcome back Watford, who always were a difficult team to beat. Um, and they are hosting. Aston Villa, which again uh, is going to be a little bit of a difficult game for them because they've lost Jack Grealish. So I can't really see Watford losing this one. I don't know about you. What do you think? Well, Watford are, are always like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get with them. They kind of uh, what did he remember the other year when he beat Liverpool three 0 Yeah, only he'd won the league at the time, but he still beat Liverpool three 0 and you just don't know what's going to turn up. The only thing I do know about Watford, they have a good centre forward in Troy Deeney, and he'll be doing his best to keep them into the Premier League next year. But uh, Aston Villa, I'm, I'm not sure how they played in pre-season friendlies because I've not seen them play. But uh, the, the players they brought in for Jack Greeley, which I think will be a big, uh, big help to them. I got a feeling that they're going to win this game 2 1 Villa. Oh, okay. Well, I put down 1 1. Uh, again, I don't know the first thing about um, Watford's uh, re rejuvenated team. Hopefully, uh, they'll be as good as they were. As you say, Troy Deeney certainly made an impact when he was playing. Um, okay, well, we come to the last game then, and an interesting game when Norwich play Liverpool. So the Canaries will be flying, and obviously, Delia Smith will have probably cooked them a, a nice special meal for after the game um, but I do remember when Liverpool played them at the beginning of I think it was either last season or the season no, it wouldn't have been last season the season before I thought it was a very entertaining game and it was about three or four goals in it I think Liverpool won that one about 4-3 I'm not sure um, but I know that there were goals in the game and I really feel that you know um, with all that's been going on and with all that we read and all the different comings and goings I would expect Liverpool to at least get a draw in the opening fixture and they should really uh, win that type of game but you never know with Norwich because you don't know what you're going to get how do you see that one? Well Norwich always play attacking football as you just said I think it was 3-2 the game if not mistaken but I know what you mean it was a good game and he came a account of themselves it was the first time back in the Premier League at the time and uh, they did a good performance at Liverpool and I'm sure they'll get a good performance in at, at weekend but Liverpool's got two strongest strike force to uh, be too worried about them because I don't think their defence is strong enough knowledge to be able to keep Liverpool forward down and I've had to Liverpool to win about 3-0 OK I've put 2-3 um, but I mean I would like to think that Liverpool's 
um, defensive frailties should begin to diminish although we've lost Andy Robertson who's been brilliant um, yeah, he's injured, yeah. yeah sadly uh, he'll be out till the end of September I think by the looks of things um, but we've got this other guy the the Turkish guy who apparently came in played well we've got a, f a couple of new faces as well uh, so let's hope that um, they can do the business okay talking in the general sense now are you looking forward to the season yeah, because I know what you said that it's probably the same six teams at the top. But you've got to look at somebody like West Ham. If you could just get centre forward to move play up front with Antonio, I think it'd make a big difference to West Ham, and they could break into the top six uh, and push one of the top teams out. Uh, Leicester, they always offer a lot, but in my opinion, they kind of uh, fall away at the end. Two years on the trot, they've done that, fell away at the end of the season. Maybe it's been a long guard season for them and they've not got strong enough squads. Uh, I expect Chelsea to be up there in the running. Man United with the players, I don't think they've got Varane yet, but I presume that they will be getting him. But another one, when you see these teams now strengthening at the back, they all looked at Liverpool and saw what Liverpool did and they're realising now if you've not got a strong defence, because City did the same last year with getting Diaz in, strong in the defence like and uh, that's what these teams have got to do make sure you've got a good defence and then they obviously just got to score goals yeah uh, I think City will still be up there I think United will be round about Chelsea I think will be the, one of the biggest challenges I'm not sure about Liverpool I'll be quite honest it just doesn't seem right about Liverpool you know mm. we're not really getting any we've not brought anybody into like Liven the place up a bit, if you know what I mean. No, I, I, I feel like that myself, Eric. Still. Yeah, I, I feel exactly like that myself, and I think a lot of the other fans. We needed a, a star striker. That's what we re, we, we really felt we needed. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll have to wait and see because obviously, if the games go our way and we start getting the people that have done well for us starting to play as well as they should be, you know, uh, then okay, we can be good. But it's going to be another interesting season, and I feel really like yeah. we haven't stopped. I don't know about you. Do you feel like that? <laughs> well, there's just been that much football going on, it's unbelievable. And then when the football finished, we had the Games, the Olympic Games, which you could watch football again if you wanted to. It's just been a, a, a really long summer, and it could be so much sport, especially with the, the British Lions and all the like. It's been so much going on. It's been great, really. But uh, sometimes you feel like you do need a rest. Yeah. You, you don't look as we've had one in my opinion. All right, Eric. Well, look, it's been great chatting with you again, and uh, we'll all, we'll know the results by the time we speak next week. Okie dokie, lad. All right. Take care.